You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Big News Sports. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Is this March or May? Golly, this is outstanding weather. My son rubbed it in this morning by calling me up and telling me he's getting ready to tee off. Thanks a lot, Matt. Hey, welcome to the program. As you just heard, this is Big Noon Sports. you got uh, Josh, Joe, Aiden, Matt, Lars, and Christian. And it is March. And it is tournament time. And somewhere on this planet right now, or in the United States of America, there's probably a tournament game going on right now in, in one of the... Uh, these smaller conferences. The the big ones are getting amped up this week, most notably in our area. The SEC tournament starts tomorrow. But before we get to that, there's some news and notes and some interesting concerning former Alabama players, some interesting notes uh, in the NFL. Um, but I got to start with this one. I just received a phone call 30 minutes ago. Uh, I have a great dentist. And he has a great dentistry, and they just treat me so well. But she called, you know, not, but you know, the, one of the assistants, whatever. Said, does does this lead to her being your source on Aaron Rodgers and where he's going to go? Oh, oh, oh no! Revealed by source. Oh my gosh! It's JB at the dentistry. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, seriously, she called and said, "Here, it's just," uh, and. They actually call you live as opposed to sending you 8 million text messages. She said, uh, Matt, I just wanted to remind you of your appointment tomorrow at 2.30. And I just started laughing. <laughs> and she said, what are you laughing at? I said, do you realize what you just said? And she said, no. I said, you, ha- you said I have a dentist appointment at 2.30. I guess she's heard it 5 million times because she just went, oh, yeah, that is kind of funny. <laughs> Uh, 2.30. Uh-huh. And, and then she said, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. <laughs> is that happening? What's a what's a good time to get an appointment at the podiatrist? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, I don't know. Something to do with a foot or a foot, foot hoodie. <laughs> hey, can you want to tell some dad jokes? Yeah, uh, wh- all right. Wh- why, did the, why did the cat cross the road? Why? Because the chicken had a laser pointer. Is that bad? That is funny. Uh, see, I, I think I, I really enjoy that type of humor. Okay, do you have a laser pointer for your cat? Yeah, but Karen hit it because I mean, it, I think <laughs> you it, just it have drives, too much fun with it. No, well, no, I think it really it messes with the cat's head. I mean, cats are already messed up, but uh, uh, right now it's chasing the little no no seam bugs that can get in your house. Yeah, you know the ones with the yeah, well, they're not no seam, but they have the really, and it will be. Ten feet up in our foyer, and it's still trying to get to it. Uh, might I say that in my 50-plus years of broadcasting, this may be the most interesting way I've ever started a show. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go back to this because it's, it's, it's real. It's true. We're getting reports. My dentist office is saying so. 
Do you think Aaron Rodgers will be in a Jets uniform next year, Lars Anderson? I do. I think he is going to be a Jet uh, possibly by the end of the week, possibly even uh, by the end of the day. Uh, really? Just because of uh, different deadlines that are occurring right now. Um, and look, they took a Aaron Rodgers and the Packers took a step toward a potential separation this morning. And that was when ESPN reported and Ian Rappaport, formerly of AL.com, also reported that Green Bay has granted uh, Rodgers permission to speak with the Jets. And it just uh, – the, the smoke signals that were coming from the NFL scouting combine, and again, you don't necessarily want to believe everything you're hearing that comes from the combine because there's a lot of deception going on. Um, but the rumor mill in Indy suggested that the Packers were ready to move on from Rodgers. Uh, general manager Brian Gutenkist, he um, – he was talking up Jordan Love, uh, you know, talking about the former first round pick, <clears throat> saying he was, quote, ready, unquote, to start. And and, and look, if, if, if Rogers, if he determines and I think he's already made up his mind, he just hasn't informed the world. And I hope he comes out and says what he's going to do soon, because I'll end up pulling all my hair out because ESPN is going to be covering this thing nonstop. But uh, if he wants to leave, really the Jets are the logical choice now. Um, the Jets have already said they want to bring in a veteran this offseason to go with uh, Zach Wilson, right, um, and, and the other kid, uh, younger player who started, who's not their future. Uh, I don't think Zach Wilson has a future as a, as a starter, uh, certainly not with the Jets. And the, and the Jets were looking at Derek Carr, and there was a report that the Jets uh, brass told Derek Carr that he could be a Hall of Famer if he came to New York. Well, apparently Derek Carr, Derek Carr didn't really care about that because he went to New Orleans, which maybe I, he I, saw through that. I, I, and I thought about this some more. I, I think this makes New Orleans not just the favorite to win their division. I think it makes them the favorite to reach the Super Bowl in the NFC. Wow! Depending on who ends up being the starting quarterback at San Francisco. All right. Anyway, uh, we, we can which get, could we, be Philip Rivers. We could believe we, it we or could, not. Yes, and we can get into that later, uh, and we will get into that later because I love talking, you know, uh, roster construction and NFL. I, I find that really fascinating. Um, but so, if the talks between Rodgers and the Jets go well, um, the 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 New York and Green Bay would have to work out a trade. And the cost wouldn't have uh, – the cost isn't going to be as exorbitant as it would have been last year, particularly given that Rodgers' contract will need to be adjusted to make all the numbers work under the salary cap. Um, and, and, you know, there's still a lot a lot that has to unfold and happen before Rodgers is officially an ex-Packer. But, Matt, it, it certainly seems – that is the direction we are heading. That Aaron Rodgers is uh, is in the first stages of his divorce. Right? He's. Uh, it's like the papers have been filed, <laughs> and uh, and and maybe they're like in counseling right now and, and debating whether or not 
It's like being in marital counseling right before you actually go through the divorce and you're wondering, ah, do I try to save this or not? And uh, apparently those counseling sessions to keep the metaphor going aren't going very well. So I, I think this is, my, this is just my opinion. I, I think Rodgers is going to be a New York Jet. And it makes a lot of sense, and I'd love to get Christian's take on it when uh, when he's up and ready, because the Jets have uh, a young emerging defense led by Quinnen Williams, former Alabama player, uh, led by uh, Sauce Gardner, uh, one of the probably the best young corner in the league, and then on the offensive side. Uh, you have Garrett Wilson uh, at wide receiver. Um, you have Elijah Moore at wide receiver. You have a really talented running back, a good line. It's like suddenly the Jets have all the pieces. All they need is a freaking quarterback. I mean, the Jets, the Jets, I'm telling you, Matt, the Jets can be a legit, uh, contender. Uh, if, if Rodgers comes and joins the so team. So the Jets and the Saints, that's what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't Book that be it. something? Yeah. Super Bowl Fifty Eight. You heard it here. Yes, and That's from my sense. dentist office. <laughs> um, well, that, this leads right into what we were talking about a minute ago. I pulled up one of the headlines on AL.com this morning. It's talking about former NFL, the veteran interested in playing again. I said, "Well, you saw the picture of him in his Chargers uniform." I said, "Well, how- Philip Rivers is coaching a little high school team up in North Alabama." But apparently, from what I read, he reached out to them, hmm. not just the 49ers, but the Dolphins. And I don't know, what is Philip Rivers? Is he pushing 40 yet? Uh, Let me look oh, it up he's real well quick. over 40. He is? Yeah. Jeez, he is, uh, well, not well over. He's 41. Okay. Uh, but every time I've ever seen him and heard stories about him, uh, He's got to be in great shape. He's got but nine children. But didn't it look like? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, there's just too many ways to go with that one. But I want you to stop yeah. and think about this, since we're just going in every direction we possibly can. That would be three times what you have. I can't even imagine it. But you know what? He has enough money where he could hire three times the amount of help that I have because I got no right, help. Now you got me and that ain't much. Uh, but but it, it seemed like the tank was empty with Rivers I at agree. the end of his tenure with the Colts at the in that last season. Is like he, he just one of those guys it's just like on? he couldn't he couldn't get he couldn't push the ball down the field. Don't be named. I, I don't know if he had like a, a, an issue with his shoulder or his right arm and and maybe that's been resolved and he still got he can still get zip on the ball, but it, it just looked like he lost his fastball uh it, it, during that last uh, year with the Colts. Um so I don't know. It, it, that remains to be seen, uh, what will happen there. Um, but yeah, it, 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 and you know, there's, uh, the, the intrigue with Lamar Jackson. Uh, today is the deadline for the, uh, to be assigned the franchise tag. Do the Ravens uh, get, sign him to the exclusive franchise tag or the non-exclusive? If it's the non-exclusive, that means teams can actually swoop in and try to get Lamar Jackson if they are willing to pay a very steep price. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if the, the Jets are monitoring that situation as well. 
I mean, if you can get Lamar Jackson. Oh, my. You take, wouldn't you take Lamar Jackson over Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers yes. right now? Yeah, I would. Simply because of age. Yeah. Well, uh, but he offers you a different dynamic. And, and I often think about when guys end up in New York, their ability to, to be a, be in the focus all the time. Aaron Rodgers, I don't think would be really that good at it. He I would be not. so distant I, I th- and, and they oh. would, man, they, the media would end up after two days hating him. Yes. And that's the way it would be. I, I think Lamar it, Jackson, it, he's a good fit. I, I agree. I agree. Um, and, and look, Aaron Rodgers is very, very smart. We all know that. Well, he's a Cal grad. Yes. Well, I guess he graduated. But, um, he's also got really thin skin. And he remembers every single slight. And you are going to get railed on in New York City. You could be the world's greatest guy and get railed on in New York. You know, because you used to do it. Well, I didn't do it. I had a a front row seat. Speaking of franchise tags, somebody got one late yesterday and did not want it. That's coming up on Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. Just a few isolated showers through tonight. The high today, 80. Tonight's low, 47. Tomorrow, noticeably cooler, mostly cloudy with a chance of rain by mid to late afternoon. The high, 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 79 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Remember the show Hawaii Five O? Hook him down. Out. Was that just a Never little before it. your time? A little before my time. Wow, what a great show! Book him down. Out. Anyway, uh, believe it or not, that wasn't in black and white. I actually saw that in color. All right, you're listening to Big News Sports. It's Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, along with Christian Miller. Moving along to Josh Jacobs. He just got the tag. He didn't want it. He. Um, I found this interesting as Lars and I are talking about in your break. He was uh, selected 24th in the first round, and his contract was four years and almost $12 million, so $3 million a year. Now, with the franchise tag, he'll be making $11 million for the 2023 season. Uh, Christian, you know the guy. You played with this guy. Uh, kind of explain your thoughts here and, and also go into a little bit more detail since you're the NFL guy on what it really means to be a franchise tag guy. Yeah, Matt. So basically the franchise tag is, is one of those things where a lot of players aren't fans of the tag. Um, from our perspective, it delays you from getting that big contract extension. So basically, um, teams have one t- uh, franchise tag that they can use, and it allows them to select one player who's set to become an unrestricted free agent, um, which Josh was going to be an unrestricted free agent because they declined his fifth-year option prior to this past season. Um, but it guarantees them another year under contract. And there's different forms of it. you got exclusive, non-exclusive. 
transition tags. But basically what it is is it guarantees the team one more year uh, with that player under contract. And, again, uh, from the player perspective, they don't like it because they were set to become an unrestricted free agent. They were, you know, due to receive a big-time contract, and now it's delayed by a year. Now, a lot of people might say, oh, well, you're getting paid X amount because with the franchise tag, it's not like you're just getting, uh, you know, a little bit of money. You basically get – I don't know specifically, but it's 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 one of those things where you get, like, the, the top uh, echelon of, of what – like the top five guys that your position make pretty much. Um, so for example, um, the non-exclusive franchise tag values for 20, uh, 2023 quarterback was $32 million, linebacker $20 million, wide receiver $19 million, defensive end $19 million, and so on. So you're making a lump sum of money, but it's only a one year, uh, tag pretty much. Um, so that's, that's pretty much what, uh, what I can add on that. And in terms of him, you know, he's a, a great competitor. I, I love Josh Jacobs as a player, as a person, you know, I've, Train with him. Obviously, I you know played with him here, but we also trained together, um, you know, for the combine and in pro day and whatnot. And um, again, one of those ultimate competitors. And if you just watch the guy play football, he plays angry. He plays he plays mad. Um, he can do it all. He's elusive. He has speed. He can make you miss. He can run you over. Um, catch a football out of the backfield. Uh, a truly dynamic player, and uh, I, I love his game. And you know, look, he, he led the NFL in rushing yards this past season. He, he proved himself, and he was set for a big payday, but unfortunately, it's going to be delayed by a year. Um, but I have no doubt he's going to go out um, this upcoming season and, and once again prove that he's one of the best in the game, and then he will ultimately earn that contract that he rightfully deserves. So Josh just got, by having the exclusive franchise tag uh, put on him, that means a team, uh, the Raiders, have to uh, give him a one-year deal that is the average of the top five salary at running back at Josh's position based on what they made of, uh, what, what, what they made of April, uh, or what they're scheduled to make of April of this year, right. or 120% of the player's previous year's salary. Okay. So for Josh, that turns out to be, uh, a one year contract for 10, million 10.091 uh, $10. million dollars for next year now another Alabama player Deron Payne defensive tackle at Washington or former Alabama player excuse me that he was also given the, the the franchise tag but this just shows you how much more defensive linemen are valued than running backs he's expected to make 18.9 wow. million almost twice as much as Josh next year. Is that surprising to you at all, Christian, that 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 Duran is in a defensive tackle is going to be paid so much more than who I would argue is the best running back in the game? Does it surprise me? No. I mean, just because if you know the, the, the values of each position, it makes sense, right? You know, the NFL clubs don't necessarily put much value on the running back position we talked about it yesterday the shelf life for running backs typically is not very long you know running backs are viewed you know as you know pretty short-term options i hate to say like that but the you know the lifespan of nfl running back is uh significantly less than uh say a defensive tackle or a defensive end and it's one of those things where that's typically how that works now i know we see you know running backs scoring all these touchdowns and being a pivotal part of so many offenses um, but the way the clubs look at it, you know, they, they, they basically 
go off of, you know, how you can, uh, how long you can contribute, not just how much you can contribute. So if you look at it from that aspect, um, that, that that's t- typically how it goes. Now, um, is that the right thing? Uh, I, I don't know, but you asked me, am I surprised? No, just cause I know in, in football, you know, typically quarterback, offensive tackles and defensive ends, we all know those guys are like the highest valued, right? Um, so, so we already know those guys are going to make a lot, of, a lot of money, right? Even though again, the quarter, I mean, the, the running backs and the receivers, they score all these touchdowns, you know, they, you see them on the front page of everything. Um, just unfortunately, they don't always make as much money, um, in some of those other positions. So I'm not necessarily surprised, but I, I do feel that, um, running backs are deserving because they're, they're a crucial part of offenses. And again, they, they do so much for a team, but unfortunately in the NFL, they're just not valued as much. Okay, I'm really interested in the Lamar Jackson situation in Baltimore. So the, the deadline is fast approaching. I think it's 4 Eastern of when the tag has to be applied uh, today. And, and there's great debate going on in NFL circles of whether or not Ravens general manager Eric DaCosta is going to give, uh, apply the uh, exclusive franchise tag or the non-exclusive franchise tag to, to Lamar Jackson. Uh, it's been reported everywhere that the two sides remain far apart on a long-term deal. And so the tag is, is basically uh, Baltimore's only option at this point. I mean, I suppose you could, uh, if you put the exclusive tag on him, there's a, tra- a tag and trade possibility. But if they put the ex- non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson, here's what the Ravens could do. Just they could wait for a team to come in and then they would uh, have to be willing to give up two first round draft picks and then give Jackson uh, a, uh, you know, a deal that he's comfortable with. And then Jackson could say, yeah, I'll take that. But but before Jackson would be allowed to leave, the Ravens would have the opportunity to match that contract. Right. So then you would have the market set the parameters of the contract and it pretty much would take care of the negotiations that have been going on that aren't going anywhere between Lamar Jackson, who's representing himself and Eric DaCosta, the, 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 the Ravens general manager. So I think in some regard, it makes sense for even if the Ravens, if the Ravens want to get a long term deal done. It makes sense to apply the non-exclusive tag, let some team come in and set the price, and then just simply match it. Does that does that make sense to you, Christian? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm probably not the best when it comes to all these contractual dealings and whatnot. But um, this is my logic. If you think he's the guy for you, then pay the guy. It's as simple as that, right? And, and obviously, there's some type of um, you know, I don't know, lack of better words, some, some patience on their end, um, specifically, you know, with the, the Ravens, because you see these other teams, right? If they, if they feel like they found their guy at quarterback, they'll go, um, to great lengths to secure those guys and make sure they're happy, make sure they're under contract and they're there to stay. We haven't seen that with Baltimore and Lamar. Yes, they've offered him, you know, a, a long-term contract. Um, but it wasn't, um, to his standard or the standard of, of some of these other quarterbacks we've seen. And, and we're talking about, talking about a guy that's won, uh, an NFL MVP 
a great guy in the community, loves Baltimore. All his teammates love him. Um, a tremendous athlete and, and, you know, like no other quarterback. We're talking about a, a once in a lifetime type talent at quarterback. He might not necessarily be, um, you know, uh, you know, a pocket passing quarterback that, that, you know, that slings the ball like we've seen, you know, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, but the, the things that he's able to do, you know, with his legs, his elusiveness, um, the type of offense that you can run with him is just so dynamic. We see the, the success that Jalen Hurts is having with the right, um, offensive scheme and system and the right players around him. I have no doubt that if you give Lamar Jackson those same tools that you gave Jalen Hurts and that type of system and the right coaches, that he can be just as successful, if not even more. Um, so I think there's some, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe Baltimore is not the right place for him. Maybe he needs to go somewhere where he's truly valued because right now it just seems that they're kind of playing with fire with this whole situation. They're not totally, you know, scared that they could lose him. You know, it seems like they're okay with the fact that they might lose him. The larger issue, and there is a larger issue going on here, uh, is that, uh, and this goes back to the Browns, of course. It always goes back to the Browns when something is screwed up royally. <laughs> they gave Deshaun Watson a $230 million fully guaranteed contract, right? No one has a contract that big that is fully guaranteed. And uh, Derek Carr just signed a huge contract, not guaranteed. Geno Smith just signed a big contract, not guaranteed, not fully guaranteed. And 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 Lamar Jackson, he has drawn the line in the sand. I want fully guaranteed contract just like Deshaun Watson. Eric DaCosta, the GM's for the Raven Ravens, he's drawn the line in the sand. I'm not going to be an idiot like the people in Cleveland and give you a fully guaranteed deal. And and it's going to have a ripple effect of how is going to uh, uh, have an effect on Joe Burrow's deal that he's going to sign with Cincinnati. It's going to have an effect on Justin Herbert with the long-term deal he's going to sign with San Diego. And so everybody in the league is closely watching what is happening with Baltimore right now. Coming up, we're going to talk some uh, Conference USA basketball, some UAB, and uh, also UAB's on the practice field. They have been since yesterday. That's all coming up on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. I'll second. And, and, and one thing that really struck me was just how of they were. You know, the coaches were. I mean, you know, they're, 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 there was a lot more teaching than there was, was screaming. You know, and, and, you know, Trent Dilfer has, has said that. I mean, he said that you're not going to, you know, not, they're not butt chewers necessarily. They, they, you know, they, that's not the way they teach. And. You know, from what I, from, from the little bit I, I could see, you know, I saw it and that wasn't, you know, and they got on them, but it just wasn't, it wasn't nearly as loud as, as I'm basketball practice. Steve, is there a player or a position group that you're anticipating keeping up with or looking out for this spring? Well, Christian, I think the two are, uh, offensive line, like, you know, cause, you know, they have really one guy that, um, had starting experience and, uh, but they've got a lot of pieces there. So I really look forward to seeing that once they get in pads. And, uh, the other thing is the quarterback. Cause I think, I think everything else is, is pretty proven. Real, not, I don't know if it's proven, but I mean, you, you feel pretty good about the playmakers they have offensively. Feel pretty good about, you know, a lot of the pieces they have defensively, but quarterback, you just don't know right now. You just, you know, I, I think they might, I think they have some, you know, some pieces there, but you just don't know. And so I think the offensive line and quarterback are the two biggest things during spring that you're going to have to keep your eye on. All right, uh, let's talk some basketball. We got a lot of UAB on our plate right now. 
Um, back in uh, January, and, and you know I go to a lot of games. In fact, I, I, I see Steve there, Steve there at uh, at the end of the court. Uh, right. They UAB lost five of six. It was Jelly was hurt. Uh, it, the the prospects right there were dismal. Now, mm-hmm. Andy Kennedy deserves to be coach of the year because he just flipped it. They won ten of their last eleven and six in a row. Why? What happened? Well, I think I think one thing, one key thing that did happen was they lost five out of six without you know, and Jelly being out five games. I mean, I think that really transformed this team. I think it, it, it I think it, I think it opened everybody's eyes a little bit. I think it opened Jelly's eyes for a little bit to, to you know, uh, I think he got to see the team from a different perspective and realized that maybe he needs to play a little bit different role when he came back and. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, uh, the team, you know, saw what it was like without him. And I, and I think that kind of, that kind of focused him a little bit. And, you know, when he came back, you know, uh, they've, you know, they played really well over the stretch too. There's, there's, you know, there's been a lot of really impressive wins. You know, there's been a couple of ugly ones, but that's okay. You know, it, that, uh, when, when it's all said and done, it just matters, you know, how you, you know, uh, what they say, it's not my how, it's not how much, it's how many, you know, and, and so, I think that helped him. I really do think that period helped him and, uh, and focused him. Now, you know, it hurt him and, you know, it took away any chance of, uh, uh, you know, of an at-large dream, uh, which might have been a dream I- anyway. But, uh, you know, it, it hurt him in that sense, but I think it helped him overall a- as a team. And, you know, guys just are, are just are playing at, at, at a different level. And, you know, guys like Ty Brewer was really – Kind of a non-factor during that time, and and he's turned into one of their, you know one of the most steady guys. You know, I think KJ Buffin was really inconsistent during that time, and he's been very consistent since uh, you know during his streak. So I think some of those things happen. I think the other thing that happened is is Trey Jemison. You know, you kind of lose sight of him a little bit because uh, he does a lot of the dirty work type stuff and you know uh, under the radar type stuff. But I think he's playing at a level that he's hadn't played since he's been at UAB. And I think that's been a, a huge factor in this whole thing, too. Steve, UAB's overall record uh, in, in men's basketball is 23-8. and eight. Uh, They're 14-6 and six in Conference USA, uh, and they're on a six-game win streak. Can they win the conference tournament and, and make, it into the, uh, make it into the big dance? Oh, no doubt. I mean, I, I think if they play like they're playing, they've got a great chance. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the one thing they don't, the, the North Texas style bothers them. And, and if, if they get by, you know, if UAB gets to by the first round, then, then, uh, or the quarterfinals, they'll play North Texas in the semis. So, uh, that's going to be a, you know, key to see, you know, what will happen there. I will say this, Je- uh, Jelly, in, and this is these kind of things are important to Jelly. Jelly was was not the player of the year. It was announced today, and it's Tyler Perry of uh, of North Texas as the player of the year. And so, I think that's kind of that's kind of light a fire under him. I think in this tournament, and and so he, you know, he he could uh, he certainly could put this team on his back in this tournament, and you know, with that sort of motivation, and and kind of lead them. Now, what he can't do is try to overdo it because at times Jelly's done that where he's tried to overdo it. If he just kind of plays within himself and, and uh, you know, uses that motivation, then, you know, they could. But they certainly can. I mean, there's no doubt. I think, to me, there's three teams in this thing that can win it, and, and that's uh, UAB, North Texas, and, and FAU. I don't see anybody else sneaking in there, but uh, I think any of those three teams can, uh, you know, certainly can win this tournament. Steve, besides Jelly, 
Which player do you think needs to step up uh, in order to give UAB the best chance to advance to advance as far as possible? Well, to me, it's KJ Buffin, and I, I mean, I think that's been from day one. I think mean, that you know they they brought him in, uh, you know, from Ole Miss to you know to be an All Conference type player. There's nights where he is. There's nights where he's he's you know probably the second best player on the, on the court, you know, behind Jelly. And so I think if he plays smart, if he keeps his head in it, if he um, you know, he does a lot of little things. I think one key thing about him that Andy Kennedy's talked about a lot is, you know, you really don't have to call plays for him. You know, he's the kind of guy that's just going to get, he's going to get his points off the flow of the game. And I think it's important to have those kind of guys that, you know, sometimes when you, you know, the play breaks down, you got to have a guy that's just kind of in the flow. You know, get maybe some garbage stuff, maybe getting a put back, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe making a good cut to get a, you know, a dunk or whatever it may be. So I think he's to me he's the he's their kind of their X factor of when he plays well they're really good. You know, when he struggles, they struggle. I'll tell you one guy that came around in my opinion during the absence of Jelly Walker was Eric Gaines. And I take my grandchildren to games and I and they, they all want to watch Jelly. He's got a cool name, he's got a great shot. If yeah. you want to watch somebody that has a very high basketball IQ, Steve, in my opinion I told my kids, I said, watch four. Watch Eric Gaines. Uh, just a terrific all-around player. And, uh, I just thought I'd throw in that, throw that in parenthetically and see what you thought as we go to break here. Well, I think when he plays under control, he certainly is that. You know, I think there, there are nights where he has a basketball IQ of me, you know, which, which is not a compliment. <laughs> uh, but, but, but there's nights, there's nights where when he plays within himself, yeah, he's, you know, he, he can, he can be the best player on the court. So I think, that's another key. I mean, that's another key. If he plays within himself, um, you know, uh, and and just kind of um, tries not to do too much, I think that uh, he could be really, really good. Um, I I think if he's on his game, that makes UAB's chances of making the NCAA tournament, winning the Conference USA, even better. All right, Steve, how do people keep up with you and read you? Uh, 1819news.com would, uh, come visit us. We have a lot of good stuff on the site there. And, uh, I'm at stevervine04, uh, um, is my, uh, Twitter handle. And so you can get stuff there too. Thank you, Steve. Look forward to it. I appreciate you guys. Steve, great stuff. Yeah, as always. And what a darn good guy. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Loss of a rock and roll superstar. I'm going to dig into music when we get back. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. 
Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. Just a few isolated showers through tonight. The high today, 80. Tonight's low, 47. Tomorrow, noticeably cooler, mostly cloudy with a chance of rain by mid to late afternoon. The high, 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 79 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big Noon Sports, you got Matt, you got Lars, you got Christian, and uh, I'm very much dating myself. I'm sure you guys have heard of Leonard Skinner um, and their unbelievable style of Southern rock. But Gary Rossington, who was the original and founding member of Leonard Skinner, passed away. Actually, I think it was late Sunday night. But I don't know how much you guys ever listened to this type of music, but... Uh, he was a real pioneer. You remember when Skinnerd um, had the horrible plane crash? Yeah, he lived through it. I know. Uh, absolutely amazing. And uh, I just thought, you know, I'd give him a shout out because uh, they had a, a really cool brand of music. And just as a personal footnote, I was on the air at a little rock and roll station in Decatur, Alabama. You ever see the AP machines? <laughs> They yep. would type the, uh, and it had a certain number of bells. Two bells would like mean, okay, there's a thunderstorm watch. And you'd go further and further up and, you know, ten bells was this is big. I heard ten bells in the hallway and I went out there and I found out about the plane crash. Yeah, the plane crash in 1977, uh, it took the life of three of the members of the band, uh, but Gary Rossington survived. And, um, you know, he played that soaring, uh, slide guitar solo on Freebird. He co-wrote Sweet Home Alabama and his impact on music, rock and roll and American culture, I think. Yeah. Good. Is, Very is, good. Is, is, You're is, a writer. Is, uh, is not to be, I don't know, understated. This is a big deal uh, that he passed away at age 71 and in a, in a good time, obviously, to reflect on his life and uh, and, and, and realize the impact and, uh, and, and reach of what he did uh, in his life. And, you know, if all of us could be so lucky to touch the, the hearts and minds of so many people. And after the plane crash he had a horrible car accident and managed to live through that but uh amazing band i don't know how much you keep up listen to uh christian everybody knows sweet home alabama right 
That's right. Yeah, you no. get up and dance a jig. Uh, you get up and dance around mm. Houndstooth when you hear that song. Uh, not quite, but it's a good song. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would. I would pay pretty good money to see that. By the way, <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll pass the hat and see if we can get to do that. Uh, just a quick story because somebody told me they were at Oktoberfest, the real one in Germany where they have these tents and groups of tens of thousands are all surrounding one tent. Then they go to the next. There are probably a million people out there. But somebody told me they were there and they were having their, you know, their beers and their brat and all this. And they are playing music everywhere. And then suddenly they cranked up Sweet Home Alabama. This is in Germany. He said they tore the tents down. They went crazy. It was the most popular song in Germany. I uh, recently saw the band Alabama at uh, the Pinnacle Center in Lincoln, Nebraska, when I was back in Lincoln. And the person behind me kept yelling, Play Freebird! Oh, no, they did. Play <laughs> Freebird! Play Sweet Home Alabama! And finally, at, you know, after about an hour of this, I turned around. I'm like, wrong band, buddy. <laughs> it's Leonard Skinner. Wow. But I think that's a common mistake people make. I think maybe nationally it is. That, yeah, I mean, uh, not not but here. I mean, here, yeah, uh, yeah. I was in the course, Midwest. <laughs> Did he stop? He was like, he looked it up on his phone. Oh, of course he, <laughs> he looked it up on his phone. He's like, sorry, dude. <laughs> wow. Uh. <laughs> well... You did it again, Lars. <laughs> you upstays my Oktoberfest story with that one. Sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. It's great. Hey, uh, I think we got to get to a break. You're listening to Big News Sports. Coming up next hour, we'll go to the coast and talk with Mick Gillespie. Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. It's the 7th of March. Yeah, that month, March, March Madness, basketball, really, really tuning it up. Um, the tournament we probably put our eyes on more than any other is the Southeastern Conference Tournament being played in Nashville. It starts tomorrow uh, at 6 o'clock our time. Ole Miss, the 13th seed, takes on 12th seeded South Carolina. Then in the night-night nightcap, uh, LSU, who is the 14th seed, takes on 11th seeded Georgia. Uh, and then the next day, it just gets to be, and Lars has been there, I've been there. Uh, Christian has probably sat around with his, you know, 
feet kicked up watching some of this, but if you're working member of the media and you covering days two and three, you got four games uh, in a like ten hour span. It's brutal. Uh, it's brutal, but it's great. <laughs> I, I I would, and I have done this since, but I've gone and actually sat there and not had to work. And you just OD literally. You're 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 taking it intravenously on basketball, but it's it is the difference between badminton and golf. Watching it as a fan and covering it, it's a it's a fun gruel, but man, uh, and then you have to turn around and do it all over again the next day. Yeah, you, you get so weary and you run. You probably didn't, but you almost run out of words. You almost adjectives. Okay, what? Are, where's my thesaurus? It's uh, it, it's really difficult. There's no question about it, and um, I I just remember, you know, uh, gosh, I went out to Ohio. What's the town where they have the first four in? Um, Dayton. In Dayton. Yeah, I did that two years in a row. I got the short straw. Boy. Um, Still, that's... But, a lot of people would want that. And by the way, we're not complaining like a bunch of whiny girls up here. <laughs> Just trying to give you an inside view of what it's yeah, like. Yeah, and and so you're you're covering teams that you're not familiar with. Uh, so you you need to educate yourself on what the storylines are, and you got to be willing to adapt on the fly. And you you really uh, that's where you find out the difference between a good sports information director and a bad sports information director because a good one. Uh, you know, I would typically try to um, befriend him or her, and like you know, I'd just start talking. Like, hey, what's a great story on your team that like nobody's written about? You know, what is like something really, really odd that 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 uh, is there like a hobby that somebody has? You know, that was just searching for angles, right? Because the the sports information director knows these kids as well as anyone. Well, they write their bios, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was always just trying to talk to as many people as possible who were fam uh, very familiar with the teams that I was covering, you know, for a day. <laughs> and, um, I mean, and that's what reporting is, talking, just talking to people and in, in trying to get them to open up to you and tell you sort of, you know, what, what, what is most fascinating about this team that, that uh, maybe has been underreported or hasn't been written about at all. The second round gets underway on Thursday. You got Mississippi State and Florida, then Tennessee versus the winner, Ole Miss, South Carolina, and you got uh, Arkansas taking on Auburn. Boy, that's, that, I, I, that, just if I'm an Auburn fan, that one makes me very, very leery. But then, if Auburn you, loses, are they in? I think so. I think, I, I think their win over Tennessee and their early season success gets them there. But based on that, I, I, I think all of us would pick Alabama to win this. Yeah. Season. See, I wanted so to who, ask who's you. Next? Yeah, I wanted to ask you. I was going to throw that exact question okay. at you and Christian. You're not allowed to pick Alabama. Who is going to be your SEC tournament champion? We're going to ask Christian first because okay. I uh, I sent a note at the top of the hour. Uh, if not Alabama, Christian Miller, who or is it whom, Lars? Uh. <laughs> I let the copy editor make those calls. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not that great at grammar. 
And I'm not I'm not a grammar Nazi like so many people well, are. You they, don't they, write like a, it either. They, I like that. I, I, I write with my ear. Yeah. All right, we're going to get to you here, Christian. Got to have rhythm. Got to have flow. It's okay. Not Alabama. It's hoop. okay to end a sentence in a preposition. Drives me nuts how uh, too many people or too many uh, teachers of writing are so uh, wedded to these archaic grammar rules. Anyway, Christian. <laughs> uh, you know, watching A and M, they they look good, but I, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I, Arkansas to me, I feel like it's a is a dangerous team that that on paper they might not necessarily look um, the best, uh, but if you watch them play, I just kind of like the way they play. They're aggressive, and uh, I, I think they could be a dark horse. But I'd probably choose A and M. Um, I like your pick at Arkansas just because for. If no other reason, must coaches in March, and that's huge. Um, but and I, this is really not that long shot. But I just man, the way Kentucky's playing right now, I think they can beat anybody in the nation, Lars. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I'm going to go with Tennessee um, because an image in my mind that I just cannot release is how they physically manhandled Alabama the last time they played. And if they bring that defensive intensity, I think they can they can uh, surprise and and win this tournament. Tennessee gets you into a rock fight. And if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year they were going to be the 5 seed, I'd have said I'll throw one at you. Uh, but they had their struggles. They uh they lost a couple of games they shouldn't have. Yeah. Um and, you know, here's somebody. Are they, are they in the tournament? I, I shouldn't even. Are they in? Yeah, yeah. They, they are. They're safely uh, in. Yeah. Yeah, they're 11 and 7 in the conference. Yes. I think. Gen- my rule of thumb is generally if you're above 500 in a major conference in your league schedule, I think you deserve serious consideration. In fact, I think once you drop below that in my book, <clears throat> I think you're dropping out of the tournament. There are certainly exceptions. Why, Lars, Christian, is nobody talking about Missouri? You tell me. <laughs> no, because I haven't been talking about Missouri. I mean, seriously. <laughs> that's the first Josh, time. That's Josh, the first. Right here. there is the first time we have mentioned Missouri basketball on this show in the history of the show. You're right. You're, guys, they, they're playing Friday. They're the fourth seed in the Southeastern Conference basketball. Training coach of the year. Josh, I'll ask you. What now? They have the reigning coach of the year, according to the yeah. USA Today. Um, you know, I, I think they might be one and done, though. If they end up in a rock fight with Tennessee, they may be gone. Yeah. Oh. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think, uh, I really think that Alabama needs this rest, right? They're almost, uh, almost a week. Off, they don't play till Friday, and and I think um, who was it that we had on the other day, um, Mike Rodak, that they need the rest physically as well as emotionally. They just need to get away from the 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 grind of basketball of of, of just uh, of everything for a little bit, and, and of course they're going to be practicing. 
but just the intensity of traveling and, and game after game after game, uh, and, and, you know, constantly hearing the background chatter of, uh, Brandon Miller did this. He deserves this. You know, this happened. Text message, you know, just all, all that stuff. I think it just wears on you psychologically and to get away from it for a day or two, three, four, um, I think will be very therapeutic for them. Christian, when you play 11 Saturdays out of 12 or 12 out of 13 and you finally get a break, is what we're just talking about true that your body certainly needs time to heal some bumps and bruises? But do we overrate having to get a mental break? Uh, I don't think so. I think honestly that might be an even more, even more important aspect if you ask me. Um, because of the, the, the time consumption of just, um, the grueling schedule of, you know, practices and meetings and workouts and school, you know, over and over and over games. Um, it just, it adds up and, uh, obviously you need the physical rest, but there's ways to implement things throughout the week to kind of recover and to get that rest. But, but you can't, you can't simulate that, that mental reset or mental, uh, you know, kind of getaway that you have during a bye week. Um, they almost encourage you to kind of get away from football to almost shut off your iPad, just kind of take a step back because it's so important. Um, it's crucial that you, you almost, we, we call it like a reset, right? Like it's not like we're just completely forgetting about everything we've done and we're just going away for the weekend and, you know, saying forget football for this weekend. We're just going to, uh, you know, put ourselves back and dissipate. We're not saying that, but it's so crucial that you almost just take a step back. I mean, think about it. It's like large, you might be able to relate your writing. Uh, you know, I've never wrote a book, but I've written papers and you're just continuously writing and writing. And sometimes it's almost best if you take a step back, get away from that paper or that book, and then you come back with, you know, fresh ideas and you're just ready to roll and you can knock it out versus if you try to just cram it in and just keep going and keep going, you're just burnt out. And I think that's why the mental aspect of that break, um, is pivotal because you just, you have to have it. You have to have a reset, especially, you know, nowadays with, with the, the schedules that these guys, whether it's football or basketball, the collegiate level or the pro level is so consuming. You know, it's taxing on you physically, mentally, emotionally, you name it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it's overrated, Matt. I think it's definitely necessary, um, for athletes and the coaches as well. And like you said, Christian, I think you can apply that to other walks of life. You know, uh, just, you know, people in, in the workforce and you're, you're so dedicated to your job as a, uh, a banker, a social worker, uh, an architect and, and, you know, you're, you're real, you're a hard worker and, and you're so consumed with it. Eventually burnout occurs and, yeah. and, and you just, you, you gotta step away, you know, and <laughs> realize, there's more to life than your work. And in a way, you know, for an athlete, uh, your work is, is your sport. And it, it just, it just becomes too much. And I, I was really surprised by when I, when I wrote the book on NFL Europe and I embedded with the Scottish Claymores way back when. And this is, you know, like minor league football. Christian, I could not believe the amount of time and dedication was uh, demanded of yeah. the players, and it's and it was almost like they were more exhausted mentally than physically, 
just a few weeks into the season. I could see that. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's the thing that a lot of fans don't necessarily get to see. You know, they see the product on the field on a Saturday or on a Sunday. Um, but they don't, they don't quite see, you know, you're waking up 630 in the morning. And I'm not saying other people don't work. I know people in the workforce, they work extremely hard too. I'm not saying the athletes, you know, work hard, but it's just, you know, they don't really get to see that, um, that, you know, Guys are waking up six in the morning. You, you have a workout before your meetings and you go to meetings and you have to get treatment and you go to practice and you have more meetings than you might have some more treatment, um, doing extra lifts or extra, extra, uh, meetings with coaches. And, and there's just so much that goes into it and it's hard to balance all that. And you just, you got to have a break, but you said it best. I mean, it applies for everything, whether you're a doctor, lawyer, teacher, you got to take some time for yourself and kind of just reset. I, so let's all go on spring break, Christian. Are you in? <laughs> we, just, we, just, we just convinced ourselves just into taking a vacation. Yeah, oh, yeah, we need, yeah. We need, we need a break. Too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of spring break, I, I know who's warming up for it. Or he may be in the middle of a boat in the old river right behind Alabama. Wait, he's perpetually on spring break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his never ends. <laughs> What a lot. We're talking about Mick Gillespie, yeah. and he'll be with us in just the a moment. endless spring break. More Big Noon Sports coming up. At Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. Just a few isolated showers through tonight. The high today, 80. Tonight's low, 47. Tomorrow, noticeably cooler, mostly cloudy with a chance of rain by mid to late afternoon. The high, 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 81 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Justin Turner from that Manning as well. He was shaken from it. Not show you a replay of it. And rightfully so. Uh, it is one of those videos, if you've seen it, uh, like I did last night, you watch it once. Um, it, it's kind of like, in my opinion, Theismann on Monday Night Football. I've only watched that video one time in my life. I will not watch what happened to Justin Turner last night. He's now with the Red Sox. I, I think most of you know that. But Justin Turner was hit, I mean, right in the bean, right in the face by a fastball that just got up and in and got away from Matt Manning of the Detroit Tigers. But uh, I know how much Mick Gillespie, our next guest, loves the game of baseball. But this is more than baseball. It's It's just, it's so scary. And to think that they walked him off, he had 16 stitches, he was back at home, and he has no broken bones, no nothing. Mick, I, just, I wanted to get that because you and I are romantic about the game, but that was more than the game. That's just scary, you know what. That's the tough part of it, and that's what makes hitting really difficult is being comfortable enough and trusting that you know you can get out of the way. I, there was a guy I grew up watching that I absolutely loved, Andre Dawson. And I remember uh, watching the game on WGN yeah. with uh, Harry Carey and Steve Stone. I remember and, that too. And uh, the Hawk got hit right between the eyes. 
knocked him out. And when he got, um, he he wasn't looking for the paramedics. He was trying to find the the guy that threw the ball at him. Um, but you know when when you said, "Hey, this is what we're going to talk about," it reminded me of Joe Caruso. I mean, you going back to Bama's best team, in the late '90s with Jim Wells, tough, really tough team. And I think it was Joe who got hit by a pitch, stayed in the game, and his face swelled up. And it really showed the character of those Alabama teams because they were so tough. But, you know, sometimes life's changed a lot since 96, 96. Back when something like that happens, and um, I'm really glad he's okay. Mick, um, let's just review sort of where things stand with Alabama basketball right now. They, uh, they won the SEC regular season. Uh, it, it, as of now, they're still a number one seed, uh, in the NCAA tournament by most projections. Uh, ended up losing the final game of the regular season. But, uh, how do you feel about this team as it, 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 uh, will begin SEC tournament play on Friday. Yeah, I had this debate with one of my good buddies today. We were kind of going back and forth, and and, and uh, he said that he felt like the team's done. He said, "Ah, they're done." You know, I can just tell the turnovers, the fact that they're missing shots, and they got this really, really bad early game intensity. They've been able to kind of, you know, overcome that some of these games late, but it's taken overtime, you know, Arkansas and, and Auburn, and, and he felt like that if you're on the road, you're going to lose those games. Um, I, I'm not, I don't feel like that. Look, I, I think that there's another gear that this team has, and I'm looking for them to find it. They've won a lot of these games without three-point shooting, which is one of their specialties. It's one of the things that makes them great. They haven't had that, and they still found ways to win. The Texas A&M game was the perfect game to lose because it really didn't mean anything. Um, and I thought they played well in the second half. They fought, but they, it just, it, it's obviously the intensity wasn't there. Um, but there's a lot of times where you see these great teams go through a stretch where they kind of struggle. They're maybe a little bit bored. And then all of a sudden the big, it, you get back on that big stage and, and they're able to find it. They should have a pretty good schedule in the tournament at least early because they're going to be hopefully a number one seed but they got to go in this this sec tournament they got to play well i think that's the game um, you know to get the number one seed and also just to kind of get back a little bit of that energy and that momentum that i feel like they've lost uh over the last few weeks mick we talked about this earlier if not Alabama, and obviously we want Alabama to go all the way, but if not Alabama in this tournament, then who? Hey, it's wide open, Christian. I mean, look, you're talking about Kentucky, and then they lost to Vanderbilt, who's one of the hottest teams in the league. You know, right now Texas A&M's playing as good a basketball as anybody, and Alabama saw that. And, and I kept waiting for Texas A&M to lose because they got off to such a bad start, and, and they haven't really – been a team that has gotten a lot of respect, but they've earned that. You know, beating Alabama, they barely lost the game that, you know, put Alabama basically in position where all they had to do is win one of their two games uh, to be the outright SEC champ. So I think they have a shot. 
Uh, I think Auburn's got a shot there. But if you said who was the team that, you know, I feel like has the best chance to win, I think it's Kentucky because Kentucky's going to have the fans. I've been to these SEC tournaments before, and the one thing that you find out is that there are a ton of Kentucky basketball fans, and they travel, and they're loud, and they buy up all these tickets. And it's not that far of a drive uh, from Kentucky to Nashville. So I'd say, you know, hopefully it's Alabama, but if it's not, I'd probably put it in this order, Kentucky, Texas A&M, and Auburn. You know who else travels, yells, screams, and it's not a far drive at all is Arkansas. Um, and Musk can coach in March. So, um, yeah. I put them out there too. Uh, earlier this week, it was announced that Brandon Miller was not a part of the Wooden 15 finalists. Uh, Lars and I did a dive and it does have a clause in there about character. Um, do you have any comment? Are you okay with that? Does it matter? I mean, I just feel like, you're you, you're innocent until proven guilty, you know, and it's a bad situation that we've we've all talked about, and we all just, I mean, really, there's just no explanation to it. But um, he's been the guy that's cooperated. You know, he's going to be one of the witnesses for the state, and I'm sure he's thought about this a lot, um, and probably like all of us had no idea that anything like this was going to happen. But he's paying a price for it because. Because his character is in question now. And and if somebody said, hey, you know, what, what do you think? Well, I don't know Brandon Miller. I, I've never hung out with him. Uh, I know he, he comes from a good family. Um, he, he's never been in trouble before. And um, and he, he's not named and, you know, the, the police haven't charged him. So, I mean, i, I got to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. But it's going to cost him. And, and, and look, the, the, the thing about life is that we're not going to really know until five, ten years from now. And hopefully, you know, he just takes this as, as an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to give back to the community and be the best person that he can be. And, and um, you know, he's kind of in a situation that he really couldn't have predicted and, and you know, and, and all that. But he should be one of the best 15 players in the country. I mean, you know, no doubt about it. I mean, just on the his ability out on the basketball court. But... Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of part of this whole situation, which is terrible. Mick, this may be nitpicking a little bit, but in the last three, four games that Alabama has played, um, they've looked like a tired basketball team to me. And that man has really manifested in their three-point shooting and their struggles from beyond the arc. And, and Nate Oates said, uh, before, uh, he said last week at some point that he doesn't believe in load management. And, and, and that means basically managing the amount of playing time that your players get, uh, night in and night out. And that load management's not a big deal in college basketball. Um, but Alabama only goes seven, eight deep on the bench. I mean, do you think Alabama's and again, I, this is, I understand, like, we're talking about a, a team that right now is projected to be a one seed. They just won the SEC regular season. So this is definitely, uh, in, 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 in the area of nitpicking. But do you think Alabama was a little bit worn down over the last, uh, 10 days or so? I think they're worn down mentally. I'm, I'm worn down mentally over 
everything that happened to this team this year. I think you, all of us are. You know, I mean, how many of us have laid in bed and thought about the situation that we just talked about and, and how tragic it is and, you know, how do you avoid that and you know, who's responsible for it. And you know, these guys are right on the front line of that. Uh, I, I just don't know how you couldn't be mentally affected when something like that has happened and, and you know, you question or, you know, your mortality and life and everything in general. Um, do I think that college guys playing basketball, you know, twice a week need load management? No. Matter of fact, I, I threw a picture up on my Instagram of, of me playing lacrosse from college. I, I was like 175 pounds. I ran up and down the field back and forth, and I was never tired. I was just hungry. You know, like, you're that age, man. If you're, it's a different animal. Now, if it was me at this age, uh, I would probably be tired after one game. But I, I just I just don't think that these guys, well-conditioned athletes, the team is 718. Um, I, I feel like it's more a mental than, uh, than a physical uh, issue for them right now. You know what's coming up? Spring football. Heck, we just talked to Steve Irvine from 1819U slash sports last hour. UAB's already on the practice field. Alabama is coming up. So is our conversation about Tide football in the spring when we get back. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. Uh, when you're trying to negotiate, you know, so uh, we'll see what happens. But my gut feeling is, is that uh, he's going to end up being traded. Yeah, you know, that's something to watch for. I think that, man, that'd be huge throughout the NFL if he ends up getting traded. <clears throat> Transition over to Alabama football. Spring football is coming up. Is there a particular player or position group that you're focused on or you're uh, most intrigued to, to keep up with during the spring? Well, right off the bat, I'm excited about seeing who the quarterback's going to be. Um, I mean, I think that's kind of the million-dollar question right now. Is Jalen Milrow going to be uh, a Lamar Jackson type guy and and uh, and come in and, and throw the football a little bit better? He's fast. He, he's a great athlete. Um, you know, we talk about the, the problems that he had in his start, but also what about all the good things that he did? You know, you talk about some amazing runs. Uh, he he helped lead Alabama to a win uh, in a hostile environment. So you know, he's someone that I'm excited to see. And then obviously Ty Simpson. You know, um, I, I thought that. Um, Brian Branch had some great comments about Simpson, what he brings to the table. We really haven't seen that, but I've heard from people that his performance in practice has been um, really worth noting, and, and that uh, it gives Alabama a lot of hope. Maybe that's why they didn't go out and sign a quarterback from the from the transfer portal. So right off the bat, that's what I want to see. Now, the second thing is, is running backs, um, you know, Chase McClellan has been one of my favorite guys since, uh, you know, since he came to Alabama. And, and he, you know, he forced Nick Saban to put him on the field because every time, you know, the, the games would be where Alabama was trying to run the clock out, they'd bring him in and then he'd score and then you had to bring somebody else in, you know. So, and then when, when he's been healthy, he's been great. Roy Dell Williams has earned uh, opportunities, not just with his ability to run the football, but he's also a great blocker. Um, he's really reliable. You know, um, uh, Jam Miller is someone I'm hearing a lot of great stuff about. You know, what's he going to be able to do out there? And then the, and then the new guys too. You know, who's going to be the player that we kind of look at when this thing's all said and done? And, uh, you know, from that running back group where you're like, okay, 
Um, because I think there could be a surprise in there. You know, so those guys kind of at the top of the list. But this year, the other thing that I can't wait to see is these coaches. I want to see what the new offense looks like. You know, what, what's Reese's offense looks like? You know, is it, is it going to be noticeably different or is it something that we kind of start seeing maybe pieces that are different? So this, this practice and the 8A game that's coming up in April, um, are as intriguing to me as any that I can remember. Mick, uh, one more transition, uh, and this is to something that, that we, we don't talk about enough, and that's the Alabama softball team. Montana Fouts coming off a perfect game. I think she struck out 14 of 18 batters. Just your thoughts on Montana Fouts and her, her place in history. It, it's still emerging. And, and, and Matt and I, we were kind of joking that, you know, to me, the greatest softball player that I can think of is Jenny Finch. And is it possible that Montana Fouts could ascend to that level? Yeah, I mean, it's possible. You know, I'd love to see a national championship, um, you know, and, and that's something that I'm sure that Coach Murphy and, and the softball team would like to see as well uh, to go in with that legacy. But she's definitely at the top of the list for players that Alabama's had. You know, Jenny Fitch is, is up there. Uh, well, Tennessee had a pitcher that was really good too, Monica something. She she was amazing, uh, a, a lot like, you know, the, the uh, hard thrower that Alabama puts out there. But um, this team, you know, got off to kind of a slow start. They're starting to pick up some momentum. One thing Monica Abbott. Always Monica been. Abbott, that's Monica right. Monica Abbott, thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and Monica Abbott, to me, is the best player that I ever saw. Now, you know, I didn't really watch. Jenny Finch was just a little bit before I really started following softball, but uh, but I definitely remember her. Uh, Kelly Kretschmann was uh, Alabama's first real great player, you know, and um, and and pitching is such an important part of this game. So I'm curious to see this team's kind of, you know, they started out a little bit slow, you know, in years past, it's like they're really good early and then they kind of fade maybe a little bit late. But I think Coach Murphy's as good as any coach in, in, in softball and, uh, uh, her legacy is definitely going to be tied to the success that the team has on the field this year. Always great stuff. Um, by the way, uh, I read a lengthy article on AL.com and it was listing all the new rules or the enforcement of old rules at the Floribama, the, uh, Floribama Yacht Club. And I guess now they've got the old river, but, uh, Hey, they're coming down. Does it, does spring break affect your life down there as you live on the coast? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. I will be at the Florida on Sunday for the, um, boozy bee contest they have. So if you guys are in the area, come by. That's where, um, they feed people alcohol and get them to spell words. I, I'm just going to be part of, uh, <laughs> we're going to just do a little broadcast for it <laughs> and, um, in preparation for the mullet toss. So, you know, um, I, I, I was there, um, a couple days ago and, uh, we were, <laughs> we were talking about spring break. So when those kids show up, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta, 
you got to remember that they get a lot younger. They don't know how to handle their alcohol, so you kind of have to put more rules in place mm-hmm. for them, you know. <laughs> well, uh, that's necessary. All in good fun. All right. Uh, by the way, I'll say this on air. I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to be down there, so I'm looking you up this weekend. Come on, man. Yeah, uh, be it Sunday Sunday night. Come on. All right. Thank you. Uh, Mick, how do, uh, quickly as we go to break, how do people catch up with you? Uh, at Broadcaster Mick on Twitter and uh, YouTube, Bama Insider. Monday Night Quarterback doing a show today with Andrew Bone. We're going to talk recruiting. We got everything Alabama, Bama Insider, and then BamaInsider.com. Awesome, Mick. Thank you. Back with the final segment here on Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. Just a few isolated showers through tonight. The high today, 80. Tonight's low, 47. Tomorrow, noticeably cooler, mostly cloudy with a chance of rain by mid to late afternoon. The high, 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt, Lars, Christian, and as we close out here, our many thanks to Joe and Josh. And Aiden, who take care of this show behind the scenes. And trust me, that is no easy task. Christian? Playing football has left me with all types of pain. Foot pain, knee pain, back pain. But thanks to my friends over at the Good Feet store, I found a new way to eliminate and alleviate that pain with their premium art supports. Good Feet art supports are precision fit for your personal needs, lifestyle, profession, and footwear. I use them for all situations. Going to the gym, playing golf, you name it. It's remarkable what they can do. So try before you buy. You've got nothing to lose. Go over, <clears throat> excuse me, to the Good Feet store in Midtown and Tuscaloosa. Check them out today or goodfeet.com to find the nearest location near you. So, Christian, um, just reports coming out this morning and even as we've been on air that the New York Jets have been in conversations with um, uh, the Green Bay Packers and quarterback Aaron Rodgers this week regarding a potential trade uh, of Rodgers from the Packers to the Jets. And now we found out, find out that there is a contingent of Jets officials, including owner Woody Johnson, general manager Joe Douglas, and uh, head coach Robert Saleh, that are flying on Tuesday to meet Rodgers in person. Uh, and, and it, it, the tea leaves seem to be that this really could happen. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the general manager, uh, of the Packers, uh, Gutenkist, he really was talking up Jordan Love at the NFL Combine. And I know we're not supposed to believe anything we hear at the Combine, but he was, he was, he was saying that he's ready to start. And it just feels like a divorce is imminent between the Packers and Rodgers. Uh, what would you think of Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets and then imagine what Rodgers, what it would look like for the Jets given all the weapons they have on offense and uh, a really strong young defense? 
No, I think it would be a great option for the Jets. I mean, I think the one thing that they're lacking right now is that veteran presence at quarterback, and I think he would provide that. Uh, my only, you know, questions would be, you know, I, I'm sure if he decides to come back and play, you know, he's going to be bought in, but you're talking about a guy who's older, um, who's been mulling retirement now for several years. Um, is he still going to be able to play at that level that, that you expect him to play at? Is he going to be mentally locked in? Uh, to play at that level that you need him to play at. And then I think Matt was talking about it earlier, and it's one of the things that first came to mind uh, for me as well. Um, the New York media is like a shark pool, and we, we know his relationship with the media is not the best. Um, he, he's not the, the biggest fan of the media. Talking about a guy going into that market, I mean, it, it sounds like it's, you know, spelling recipe for disaster. So, um, it, I think it's a good fit in terms of them getting their, you know, veteran quarterback that could help lead them. You know, again, you, you just mentioned it. They have, you know, some young playmakers, some young options. They, they've drafted great the past year or two. Um, you know, they're running, they had a young running back who unfortunately tore his ACL, um, but just having a great season. You got Sauce, uh, Gardner at cornerback, uh, young wide receiver as well. So, um, you pair that with that, that stellar defense that they have, and I think they have a chance to make a run. Um, will it work out? I guess that's to be determined, but uh, I, I think it could work. Um, worst case, they just need to probably try to trade up and draft them another quarterback because I, I think at this point, I don't think Zach Wilson is the answer for them. I don't think he has the maturity that he needs to be the quarterback for them. And Joe Flacco, you know, he's, it's, it's, I don't think he's the guy either at this point in his career. So, Aaron Rodgers, I think, would be a good fit, Lars, but uh, it's just, you know, depending on if, if it's going to work out or not. But it seems to me, like you said, I think Green Bay almost is hoping he wants to move on or is almost encouraging him to move on. I think they're ready to go in another direction as well. You know, you like Aaron Rodgers or not, I'm a Packers fan, so I'm kind of forced to. Uh, he is a massive talent. Um, he just seems to me, honestly, to be a little bit of a tool at times. Um we do know that he marches to a different drummer. I, I can't find it. I can't find it. I, I don't know what that drummer's playing. But <laughs> I will say this. Stuck it, in the cave. In, <laughs> the cave. Four days. Four days he sits. That's uh, Anyway, um, the Packers have always been, since I first started loving them, when Bart start, they have always been very deliberate and and in their selection of quarterbacks. Um Remember Don Mikowski? Magic? Yeah, the Magic Man. He could play now. Yeah. Uh, for a while, they had an Alabama quarterback other than Bart Starr. His name was Scott Hunter. He's kind of a mad bomber-like guy. But they seem to be at very, at the same crossroads they were with Favre moving to Aaron Rodgers. Do you feel that? They, they want to bring love in. They want to, you know, just kind of gently let Aaron go his own way. By the way, he's going the same direction that Favre did. Yeah, you know, he went Packers to the Jets. So uh, I, I think I don't think this will be a nasty divorce. I, I think they'll just kind of part ways and ride off into the sunset. Do you? Uh, yes, I do. I, and I, I believe it's going to happen. I don't think Aaron Rodgers will be playing in Green Bay next year. I think he will be a New York Jet. You got a final thought on that one, there, Christian Miller? I have a, a thought real quick on, I just, just read a tweet that says, don't be surprised if Anthony Richardson goes first overall. 
that's crazy talk. <laughs> that is crazy talk. Yeah. You know, what is it? That Vanderbilt! <laughs> Vanderbilt beat him! What is it? What? What the hell are we? What, the, what is okay. it you and yeah. your dad always tell us? Lars. <laughs> I mean, Chris. Film doesn't lie. in the film, right? Hey. Yeah. Film doesn't lie. We'll unpack it tomorrow on Big Noon Sports. Oh, it does lie. <laughs> <laughs> the tape. Y'all have a great day. I'm Kareem Abdul-Jabbar.